Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Welcome in to hour number two of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It is Monday. It is July 24th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Let's reset today's poll questions and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question in regards to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Should the D-backs be less aggressive before the August 1st trade deadline because of the 2-7 and seven road trip. The masses are on the yes side of things here now at 59% of the vote, no trailing at 41%. Diamondbacks 4-12 and 12 in their last 16 games overall. Their poor play actually started, I, I think it actually started sometime mid-June, quite frankly, or the, their decline in play. I know they won some games. They played some really bad teams in some series and got through but, uh, you know, I don't think it's uh, even arguable that the level of play we saw in April and May has certainly scaled up, scaled back for at least the second half of June and throughout July. You know, they've gone from, you know, four games ahead of the Dodgers to three games behind, or actually three games ahead of the Dodgers to four games behind. And right now they're tied for the final wild card spot of the National League. And we will answer this question around 11.30. Still time for you to cash your vote, kdos1060.com. Let's get into the Twitter poll question at kdosam1060. Bob had an NFL conversation as training camps are getting underway across the league with Eric Edholm from NFL Media. And if you missed that interview podcast, kdos1060.com, as well as with the KDOS1060 app, uh, will the New York Giants regret not signing Saquon Barkley to a long-term deal? The masses remain out in front with the yes vote at 57.9% of the vote, no trailing at 42.1%. Yeah, certainly running back and what they're going to get paid. Uh, in fact, they're talking about they're talking about that as we speak on SportsCenter right now on ESPN with Ryan Clark, who's tremendous. I wish he were like on even more than he is, uh, but uh, I wish he were on like on all the time. <laughs> He's excellent. But anyway, you uh, got yeah, running back, uh, the salary scale, et cetera, uh, the decline over the years and so forth. They put up a graphic last week. I don't remember if it was NFL Network or on ESPN that the you know, the last Super Bowl winner to actually have a 1,000-yard rusher was like LeGarrette Blunt uh, with, uh, tan- with, uh, with, when he was with the Patriots. And they weren't winning because of him. <laughs> so... Uh, so that was I, I kind of just uh, further, I guess, deval- you know, devalues the importance of running backs on championship teams. Uh, but uh, anyway, Barkley, uh, this is going to be an issue that I don't think is going away. They haven't uh, – I don't. the Giants have not officially started training camp, but nobody expects him to be there. How long will he, he be away? He did not uh, say that he was completely against sitting out games once the season starts. That's when he starts losing money at that point. So we'll see if it reaches that stage. But uh, you know, clearly, 
if you just look statistically, when he played last year, I mean, Daniel Jones was better. But uh, when he played, and really has played the last two or three years, but uh, you know, needless to say, I think it's a surprise that their numbers are significantly better offensively when Barkley's out there. But it was even more, uh, you know, it's even more of a you know decline when he's not out there than I actually thought. 602-260-1060. That's the number to join the program or take your calls around 11.15 in this hour. 602-260-1060. As we're talking about it here, we'll stick with the NFL theme. NFL training camps are here. As just a reminder, five teams have made head coaching changes this offseason. That's the Panthers, the Broncos, the Texans, the Colts, and the Arizona Cardinals. And 19 teams have new offensive or defensive coordinators. Let's get into some some of the news that has taken place here and we'll start with the bad news for the Buffalo Bills uh, that they will be without running back Naeem Hines for the season with a knee injury. He was also their primary punt and kick returner. Uh, This is just a freak accident that occurred to Naeem Hines. He was sitting stationary on a jet ski when he was struck by another rider according to Tom Pelissero. Uh, He did not suffer uh, uh, life threatening injuries but he did tear his ACL and so he is expected to undergo surgery this week that is a brutal brutal blow though to the special teams and just kind of you know when you think about this Buffalo Bills team and the quote-unquote window of availability for them to to get uh, themselves over the hurdles through the playoffs make it to a Super Bowl here. You kind of have to think that that window is shrinking a little bit. And just in general, they're not really coming in with a whole lot of great vibes. I actually think this window is gone. Uh, and I declared that when they lost last year in the uh, playoffs against the Bengals. Uh, I think that, that their opportunity is is gone. And they've lost a lot. Uh, not just Hines, you know, the Edmonds uh, departure. They, you know, they're secondary uh, for a variety of reasons, uh, is not uh, intact uh, as uh, as it was, and that's something that you would kind of kind of had counted on for. I think that was kind of the underrated part of their team, is that uh, they're, they're really their back seven had a lot of tremendous players, and I just wonder about their offensive line, which I wondered about all of last season, and uh, can Josh Allen can uh, can excuse me uh, can yeah Josh Allen can he continue to take the wear and town, uh, wear and tear, wear and tear, he tried to say, pounding. Uh, he's been actually the second most contacted quarterback over the past four seasons. Uh, and uh, I just don't know how long he can keep doing that. They Every year they keep saying he's going to run less and he doesn't. Uh, so we'll see if that happens this year. You know, we've talked a lot about that very narrative about Josh Allen running less and then he doesn't. Uh, He has to take care of his body. We've talked about uh, just kind of Josh Allen's growth and evolution as a quarterback, too. One of the areas, though, that I don't know we've spent much time talking about this offseason, and that's maybe the growth of offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey, uh, because you had Brian Dable uh, previously as the offensive coordinator. He moved on to be the Giants head coach last year. Ken Dorsey. He steps in here and it really seemed like the offense kind of hit some stagnant periods more often than not uh, in last season and especially at the back half of the year when they really didn't have a run game. Stefan Diggs seemed to be kind of uh, shut down a little bit more frequently. So just kind of maybe opening up that offense a little bit more uh, and schematically changing things up a bit under Ken Dorsey. 
I don't know if that had a whole lot to do with Dorsey. Seems like they were sailing along pretty well until Allen got hurt in that November game early. I think it was the first week of November uh, when they played the Jets. And clearly his uh, effectiveness and his health, uh, I think, was legitimately questioned for the rest of the season, quite frankly. He was not you know, nearly as good as he was after that. And then I think this just comes down to Allen's got to protect himself better. And he's sometimes reckless. Uh, that's another word I don't use unless I really mean it. Uh, but he's sometimes reckless when he runs with the ball, and he's taken a lot of shots, as I mentioned, uh, second most of any quarterback over the last four years as far as just been hit. Some other news regarding the Kansas City Chiefs. Two things. Chris Jones not at training camp. He, of course, is their stud defensive lineman. Uh, then you also have the news that Kadarius Tony left camp with a knee injury and he was not spotted uh, at practice here today. Yeah, um, fantasy players out there. Um, yeah, I know there's a lot of talk about you know, Tony and so forth, and he's had tons of off-the-field questions when he was at Florida. You know, two coaching staffs didn't want to put up with any more, put up with him anymore. And he's with the Giants, and Andy Reid has never been too shy to maybe take some you know, suspect guys off the field and give him a try. And it seems like football-wise, it's uh, got a bad match. Uh, but, uh, you know, the Tony injury, I'm just concerned that he can't stay healthy either, which has also been an issue. So throw all that together. And, uh, yes, your fantasy football players out there, uh, Sky Moore is uh, already was higher on my fantasy list than Tony was for this year, and it's uh, even more so now after Tony – can't get through even the first practice of training camp without having some kind of problem. Uh, I do have one other update here. It looks like this is a little bit more on Tony's situation from Adam Schefter. He underwent an off-season cleanup procedure on his knee, and then he aggravated the injury Sunday while fielding a punt. And he is expected to miss some time during training camp, but should be ready to go for the start of the regular season. That's according there to Adam Schefter. Well, that's great, but uh, you know, 17 game regular season in the postseason, is he going to be available for all of that? So, hence going back to my uh, my theory that uh, you know, he's a guy that I'm not interested in as far as fantasy football. And I'd say that there were probably questions heading into this season if he was able and ready to take the leap to be wide receiver number one for the Chiefs. Uh, this is not off to a great start for uh, feeling confident that that could be the case. Uh, there was other some um, some other scary news for the Detroit Lions to start the morning practice here. Safety C.J. Gardner-Johnson suffered a non-contact knee injury during Monday's practice. He was carted off the field. I saw Field Yates reporting about 45 minutes ago or so that uh, they did conduct an MRI on C.J. Gardner-Johnson, and there is no structural damage, and he is now considered to be day-to-day. -day. So that's probably best-case scenario there after a scary incident uh, to start things off this morning yeah apparently he was on the field for some time when they finally got came out and got the card i mean he was uh, you know they were evaluating him and several minutes before you know they got the card out there and you know, i'm sure the card was out there at the beginning but till, till they figured out what to do with him so this is good yeah i think it's a huge you know he was their big defensive addition and uh, i think there's a yeah, I know a lot of people are on the you know, Lions bandwagon after the way they finished last season. 
but I think that all those people would be at least questioning whether this defense is going to be better enough for them to make that big leap that those people are expecting this year. You know, I was watching TV yesterday and it was, uh, you know, part of the NBC family of networks here. And I swear every single commercial break was a commercial for opening night of NFL, which was it, which is supposed to be the Chiefs and the Lions here. And I thought to myself, I think this was the first time that I really thought it. Wow. The NFL really did give the Lions this game in this spot here. And I said to myself, you know, they were a very fun story last year. They had a lot of great moments. Obviously, you have the Dan Campbell isms and everything that he brings. I saw him doing uh, conditioning drills with the team earlier this morning in practice. So he's a lively fella. But you also mentioned here uh, the the growth of Jared Goff and, and whether or not he can continue that into his his second year with the Lions. You have the additions that they made on defense and whether or not that's going to get shored up. And then I just thought to myself, I don't know why this is the case. And it shouldn't be, right? Because you have uh, different coaches, you have different players, you have different uh, schemes, you have different philosophies. Yet it's just sometimes some organizations just can't get out of their own way and they have the history that they do. And I, I hope that that's not the case for the Lions this year, that they'll be able to live up to these expectations and live up to the hype this year. I always kind of wonder whether the rah-rah crap from year to year stays as effective as it is you know, when he, you know, first year or two when somebody's there. Pete Carroll's pulled it off, but I don't think there's many coaches that, you know, are enthusiastic or however you rah-rah or however you'd like to phrase it. I think at some point the players tune you out. Um, so hopefully uh, that's not a case in Detroit, but like I said, I always wonder – if that's going to last, and it seems as if more times than not that it uh, it eventually fades, and sometimes somewhat quickly. I know you were losing sleep over this situation, and you now can rest easy here. The Raiders quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo has passed his training camp physical, and he will not be placed on the PUP list. He'll be starting with the team. However, Josh Jacobs is not at training camp. Yeah, the only reason I'd be losing sleep over the Jimmy G thing is that I want him to be healthy enough to start week one, and I want him to participate in like every rep humanly possible because I'm going to be going against the Raiders on a uh, maybe even for a season win total, even though that's a little lower than I thought it was going to be. Uh, so probably not in that area. But, uh, you know, two years ago I went against the Raiders a lot, and that didn't work out very well. Last year, I went against the Raiders a lot, and that worked out very well. My plan for this year, at least to start the season, assuming you know, Jimmy G is healthy and Josh Jacobs is there, uh, is to go against them. Because you know, if, you know, if Josh Jacobs isn't there, the, you know, the point spread, if you go week to week, is not going to be in your favor. You're not going to get much of a bargain there. Uh, we will once again be the home for the Las Vegas Raiders, including uh, another full NFL schedule of games. We'll be getting uh, that schedule up here shortly when everything gets all finalized. Uh, that can always be found, though, at KDOS1060.com. We'll continue some NFL topics. We'll also get into a little bit of college football. Uh, Pac-12 Media Day on Friday. Some some takeaways there from ASU's side of things, plus your phone calls, 6 
602-260-1060 is the number to join the program. 602-260-1060. It's all happening here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. social information about KDUS AM 1060, try KDUS1060.com at KDUS AM 1060 on Twitter and Facebook.com slash KDUS AM 1060. That's the number if you'd like to join the program. We'll take your phone calls now. 602-260-1060. Welcome back. It is the Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060 on this Monday, July 24th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortelaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Uh, Let's continue a little bit of some NFL discussion before we pop into uh, some takeaways from Pac-12 Media Day and uh, ASU's side of things. I just had, you know, this other thought over the weekend here when kind of getting myself geared up and ready to go for the start of the NFL year, the excitement of training camps opening back up and and, uh, you know, in other places other than Arizona cooler weather on the horizon uh, but a couple of things that kind of popped into my head here for you know the Los Angeles Chargers this is going to be an interesting training camp for them uh, you know, whether or not what's going on with Justin Herbert the contract situation but then also this is seems to be a very pivotal year for uh, the the franchise, for Justin Herbert, and also for Kellen Moore, who has been brought in as the offensive coordinator here, whether or not he's able to unlock and uh, tap into Justin Herbert's potential to translate all of that into wins. And it's also kind of fascinating, too, because the narrative that has always surrounded Kellen Moore as he is this young, uh, invigorating, uh, you know, offensive genius, and then as time has kind of gone on you've had certain people jump off of that and go into more of he's overrated so for him as well getting away from the Cowboys and now here in Los Angeles and all that is kind of lumped into him to make this Chargers offense go yeah um, nobody seems to be all that upset in Dallas that he's gone I'm sure somebody is but I haven't heard that person talk Uh, so we'll see but uh now, I'm very skeptical about the Chargers. I don't care who the coordinator is. Yeah, Justin Herbert needs to complete some passes with the game on the line. He's been wildly inaccurate with their season literally on the line the last two years, and uh, that's been a Herbert thing. And I'm a Herbert fan. I was one of the few guys that was a Herbert fan when he came out of Oregon. But, uh, you know, two straight years you know, with the season on the line, they had the big fade two years ago when they lost three out of four games. And uh, you know, and then of course last year in the playoff game they had the 700 point lead against Jacksonville, and a lot of uh, heat on their defense for giving up that lead. But Herbert missed a lot of passes in that game that they could have won. Also, one other thing about the you know the Herbert you know, whether he's going to sit in or not, which is you know that that's uh, certainly uh, you know I don't remember if it was him or his agent who was quoted as saying that, but. You know, supposedly he's going to show up for training camp and he's not going to participate unless they give him a contract. 
And Austin Eckler, again, in the last week, has expressed uh, that he's very upset with his contract situation. So it seems like there's a a lot going on. The networks are certainly buying into them. They have six primetime games. That's the most you can have. Uh, And the Heat's certainly on Brandon Staley this year, and I can't imagine – uh, another disappointing season that he returns. But then again, I thought he should have been fired after the first season when they lost three of the last four games and blew the playoffs that year. You know, I was a huge Brandon Staley fan, and I liked just kind of the new approach that he he brought. It was, it was new, it was invigorative, and I was just like, how is this all going to work out? The players really seemed to buy in. And then last year, you know, he really – I remember reading a story from The Athletic about how he had learned a lot and that maybe there was too much aggression, and so he was going to really kind of scale that back, and it just seemed like – like things were, uh, you know, trying to figure out when to, to, to make the calls to be aggressive, when not to be. Uh, it all kind of seemed to unravel last year for them, that they weren't in a confident place as to what they were doing from from a mental and, uh, you know, aggressive or not aggressive standpoint, whether or not you go for it or you, you, you punt. I, I totally agree. And I'll add one other thing about the Chargers. Even though they've had this success the last two years, they still have a zero home crowd advantage in Los Angeles. Uh, you know, when they play anybody that has any kind of West Coast following, like when the Chiefs are there, it's a Chiefs home game. And it's still, that's not changing. Uh, so even when they've won games, uh, there is more Rams fans, maybe because the Rams suck. Maybe that'll change a little bit. But, uh, the Chargers have almost no home crowd advantage when they play home games. The other thing that I was thinking about over the weekend here when just looking at the divisions here is it feels like the AFC South this year is really just this forgotten division because you have everything that's going on with the change in Houston, the change in Indianapolis. So the expectations are obviously not very high. Uh, then you have maybe what should have been with Tennessee accepting that uh, it's kind of the it's kind of done and to make the moves in the offseason, but they did it really kind of just seems like patchwork at this point. And then you bring in DeAndre Hopkins. So maybe a little curiosity as to whether or not there's going to be a fire sale before the trade deadline or not. And then, of course, for the Jaguars, are they able to capitalize and build off of what they had last year? But it really just seems like this division that uh, no one really cares about. Yeah, I'm all in on Tennessee or close to it. I was really concerned about their offensive line decline the last two years and the fact that Petit, uh, Petit Freer is going to be suspended for the first part of the season, uh, who was a starting offensive lineman as a rookie last season. That doesn't help any. Uh, their offensive line has certainly declined. But they still have a really good defense. They've got some dominant defensive players. They have, I think, by far – the best coach in this division because I think it's just, you know, just look at the last game they played in the regular season last year when Tennessee had almost no players left. And, you know, it was him against, you know, Doug Peterson in Jacksonville. And Jacksonville had to do everything humanly possible to win that game. There's a massive coaching mismatch between those two guys, in my opinion. So I'm very curious and um, I'm kind of not completely all in on Tennessee because that offensive line still concerns me. But I think that uh, they they have a they have a playoff caliber defense for sure, and they have one of the elite head coaches in the NFL.
Pac-12 media days were on Friday. Bob was glued to his television set for all uh, eight hours of Pac-12 uh, media day. <laughs> I was in front of it, so I just wondered, is this ever going to end? Uh, the Pac-12 really screwed up. I talked to somebody that was there, uh, you know, that were, you know, a friend of mine from Las Vegas who was there, and this eight-and-a-half-hour marathon was just ridiculous. Uh, I understand that they want to try to avoid the SEC head-to-head thing, but you know, Mountain West Conference had no problems doing two days last week. And granted, there's not a Mountain West you know network or whatever, but uh, it, it was you know the fact that you know, I have no problem that you bring the coaches to the podium and have them do like a 15-minute segment with Ashley Adamson and Yogi Roth, who I think actually did both of them a really good job of kind of uh, getting in and out of topics. And they also had a, a you know, media gallery that they could ask questions, uh, you know, to the to, in, in front of the masses. Uh, you know, they also had, after the coaches were done, you know, the, you could go backstage and, you know, they could, you know, could have a one-on-one or just ask a coach a question that wasn't asked during the session. The thing that was just utterly stupid, and I know certainly the student athletes, as they call them, uh, and some of them are, some of them aren't. Uh, you know, the fact that they're attending the Pacto Media Day two per team, that's fine. But you don't need to do 15 minutes on stage with those guys. I mean, that's the thing that could have you know, saved, you know, do 15, 15 minutes times 12. You can all, you can all figure that out. Uh, that's the thing that just, this just dragged on and on and on. And I'm told that pretty much by the end of this, when Colorado was actually the last team, there was uh, actually they were the next to last team. UCLA was actually the last team because they wanted people to somebody to stay, uh, but there were you know, far fewer people there by the end of the thing. There were only a handful of people that you actually that I actually saw asking questions for eight hours. God bless them, uh, but it, it was they completely screwed this up. But it's the Pac-12, so what the hell would you expect? Uh, along those lines here, uh, George uh, Kliakoff, who is the new Pac-12 commissioner, uh, was also speaking. And, of course, the topic here is what's going on? Where are you at with the Pac-12 media deal, essentially? And he didn't answer the question several times. Yeah. I mean, it was unbelievable. I mean, uh, Mr. Yes and No and questions and just vague responses. I mean, that's his job to be not vague. Yeah, I was going to say, essentially, we know nothing more than we did before Friday. Uh, And I Uh. I guess at one point in time, he sort of hinted that something could be coming soon. Then he completely backtracked later that soon's not happening. So that does like He was asked like five seconds later, what does that mean? And he refused to answer even then. That doesn't inspire a lot of confidence to get this done. No. And I think that, you know, there was some optimism with him taking over as the Pac-12 commissioner. I know USC and UCLA leaving has certainly uh, changed the landscape, changed the dynamics of how this deal can be put together. Uh, but the longer it plays out, you have to think that this is not going to be a favor- favorable deal for the Pac-12. Oh, definitely not. I mean, if it was, they would have announced something weeks ago. That would have been taken care of, and they wouldn't be, you know, asking have to ask the question on the actual Pac-12 media day. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, the first day of the college football season was like six weeks from last week. Uh, so you might want to figure this out at some point rather quickly. Uh, but you know, I don't think there's anything to figure out, in spite of his claims that uh, 
you know, or at least the insinuation that there's our, there's a deal and they'll announce it soon. Uh, when it comes to ASU here, a couple of takeaways. ASU's Kenning Dillingham said that the team will have a starting quarterback at least one week before yeah. season opens on August 31st. That will be who is named the starting quarterback. Of course, you have the competition between the incumbent Trenton Borgay, Notre Dame transfer Drew Pine, and freshman Jaden Rashada uh, that Kenny Dillingham would like it so that he doesn't necessarily have to name the starting quarterback. It's that somebody separates themselves from the pack and it's pretty clear they're the starting quarterback yeah and i think that's a really good idea um that uh you know he also mentioned a couple of times that i think it's a he think it's he thinks it's important that the team knows who i'm not i'm paraphrasing here you know who's the leader or number one quarterback and he wants to do that at least one week before the season starts so i totally agree with that approach and that's what they that's what they should be doing uh, the other thing here is that the Sun Devils have been picked to finish 10th in the media polls. Kenny Dillingham was asked about that. Uh, his quote here, if enough people feel that way, then I think it is completely fair. He goes on to say that they're obviously going to go out there and uh, be the best version of themselves that they can be and to be successful. And successful starts with doing uh, everything successful, not just in the playbook, not just on the field, but everything in life to be successful. Their season win total is five. Um, I'm not in the neighborhood of uh, you know, betting under the low numbers for these things, but uh, and I'm not going to in this unless something happens to change my mind between now and the start of the season. I'm guessing if something actually happens that might change one's mind that uh, the total would be lower than five. It's already gone down from five and a half to five in most locations. I, I can't make a case for over five. Let's put it that way. That's fair. Uh, there's been just so much roster turnover, and this is a first year, and uh, you know you kind of had to strip it down, and, and you're in the process of building it up. So, uh, I, I, you know, the optimism is there for what the potential can be, not optimism that it's going to be a 10-win season. Yeah, I, I don't have any optimism, quite frankly. I think that they're going to be their their situation, the Cardinals' situation. I think are very similar. And both teams and both organizations, I think, did the right thing by stripping it down and starting over. But I don't have any any aspirations for them to have success, success in 2023, either, either of them. Uh, we answered today's poll questions on the other side of the break. It is The Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. Tune in weekdays to the Sports Zone with Bob Kim from 9 to 10 a.m. on KDUS AM 1060, KDUS1060.com, and with the KDUS 1060 app. Returning here to Extra Point on KDUS AM 1060, it's 1141 on this Monday, July 24th. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. As we typically do in this segment, let's uh, get into answering today's poll questions. And we'll start with the KDOS1060.com 
poll question pertaining to the Arizona Diamondbacks. The trade deadline is upcoming here. Where the Diamondbacks currently sit, uh, four and a half games, four games back of the Dodgers in the NL West. Should the D-backs be less aggressive before the August 1st trade deadline because of the two and seven road trip? Yes or no? Uh, my answer is no. My answer would have been much different if this were like six or eight weeks ago when they were playing at a much higher level. Uh, and I, you really, I think the kind of what's kind of uh, what's 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 been thrown to the side here a little bit. It's easy to point out that they're you know they just had a terrible road trip as we mentioned in the question. They're two and seven. They're four and twelve in their last sixteen games. But I don't think their level of play in the last you know, few weeks has been anywhere near what we saw in April and May. And, you know, it looked like at that time they might even be good enough to not only win the division, they might even get a bye in the first round of the playoffs. That's long gone now. That's not going to happen. And now they're just hanging on to the final wild card spot with the, uh, you know, suddenly slumping Giants. Uh, so that's kind of where they're at. And there's – you know, some you know, Milwaukee and, and Cincinnati, we thought for weeks there was only going to be one team in that division that would make the postseason. And uh, considering that they only have three more games against each other after this week, after Wednesday, uh, I think that uh, we can throw that out. They're, I think both those teams are going to make it. Uh, they're, you know, Milwaukee's playing really well, uh, not surprisingly, with their superior manager and their tremendous defense and attention to detail, and they run the bases. The Reds are just an athletic freak of a team. Uh, they need to add some pitching, but you know, I think that throw all these things together, and now I don't think the Diamondbacks should be as aggressive before the deadline as I originally thought. And I would be very reluctant to give up any of their young talent uh, to get any kind of pitching, and it's going to be a free-for-all for pitching, especially relief pitchers at the trade deadline because a lot of teams are seeking, good teams are seeking to add uh, bullpen help. Uh, yeah, so I also am in agreement here that if they do make some trades uh, that involve their key youth for a rental player, I would really not be in favor of that. I think that the trades have to be made, and whether or not this is even possible, I don't know. Likely not, right? But if there's some still control uh, attached to the player that they're trading for, because I think what they have to do is build upon what they have. So they've seen now, uh, you know, that there's youthful pieces here. It's trending in a good direction. The starting pitching, though, the relief pitching, all of this we know about it but whether or not you're able to make it happen uh you know just for the remainder of the season i don't think is going to be long-term beneficial for this team as they're still climbing and building so it has to be something where you have control over the player for some years to come whether or not they can make a deal like that i don't know uh i do have a question though for you here about maybe what they do with let me let me add one word quick thing before you ask that question is I agree with all that. I will also say it's highly unlikely that you know, it doesn't matter if you get people in the bullpen. Uh, who cares if they're controllable pieces? Uh, if they were, they wouldn't be available in the trade market, most likely. But also, you know, is some of, unless you're Mariano Rivera and just the elite relievers, you know, elite closers, you know, sometimes slide off the map. Uh, look at Class A. He isn't exactly slidden off the map, but 
He's been an elite closer for the last two years, and he he's like got eight or nine blown saves this year for Cleveland. So I would not I would not do anything for a relief pitcher just because he might have years left on his contract. Starting pitchers, yes, but the only guy I can really think of that's available, uh, maybe, or if you listen to Jesse Rogers this morning at MLB Network, not available, uh, that has controllable years is Dylan Cease. Yeah. So there's not not many not many guys there. And we had the Dylan Cease question last week, and yeah, you know, I did not know if uh, you know the, the White Sox have lost even more games uh, since we had that question last week, and they're terrible, and they're they're definitely going to sell. But it seemed like Cease and Luis Robert are the only guys that the White Sox are not going to trade. My question or or, or or try to trade. Sorry. My question here to you was a player like Nick Ahmed. Obviously, we know how good he is defensively. And when you're just maybe looking at the landscape of this Diamondbacks team and how there's youthful pieces here, how they're trending in the direction they are, if there's an opportunity to get something in return for a Nick Ahmed, is that where you could find some value in offloading him or is he untouchable? Uh, he's very touchable. In fact, you know, Perdomo is taking off the you know, over the starting shortstop role. I don't think that Nick Ahmed has any value, any value in the trade market right now. He's never been the greatest hitter of all time. He's been strictly a glove guy. And if you look at the, just off the top of my head, I'm thinking about this, uh, the top teams that would be looking to add offense, a lot of those teams don't need a shortstop. Uh, so th- throw it together and – uh, maybe I shouldn't say he doesn't have any trade value, but I can't imagine that he would get anything back of substance. The masses are on the yes side of things at 63% of the vote, no trailing at 37%. This is the KDOS1060.com poll question. Flipping this on over to Twitter, at KDOSAM1060, NFL conversation, training camps underway. Eric Edholm of NFL Media joined Bob in the 9 o'clock hour, if you missed it, podcasted over at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS1060 app. Here's the question. Will the New York Giants regret not signing Saquon Barkley to to a long-term contract. This is so hard to say because injuries are always a factor in whether or not you quote-unquote get the value out of a long-term deal. Uh, Specific to the running back position, you have uh, injuries, you have kind of this tapering off at some point as well. You also, when you're specifically talking about Saquon Barkley, you also have injury history with him. However, you're talking about Saquon Barkley and you're just talking about how uh, explosive he is. You're talking about how pivotal he was to this offense. I think he's a game changer for them. He takes pressure off of Daniel Jones, uh, the wide receiving core, etc. When you put all of that together, uh, specifically as well, when I was watching Quarterback, the documentary on Netflix, they were showing clips of that playoff game against the Vikings. And it certainly reminded me just how impactful he was in that game how much he can do uh so when it comes to maybe the the direction and the trajectory that the Giants are looking to go not getting something done with Saquon Barkley just the way that their offense is constructed I think is a problem agreed and uh yeah I had forgotten that uh Eric at home uh, reminded me uh in the uh during our sports zone segment with Eric uh, at 9:15 today, is that they offered him a 
contract extension during the offseason. Um, now, he wasn't what he was seeking, obviously, or maybe he thought he was going to get more if he held out and maybe they could negotiate a, a better contract for him you know, right now. Uh, but needless to say, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, the way that the, the running back market has even gotten worse uh, since that contract extension was offered, I wonder if Barkley go back and take that now. Maybe, I'd say probably. But I do think that the Giants are going to regret this Certainly uh, you know, in the future, and maybe this year, if you have a disgruntled player uh, that plays running back, that's probably not a good combination. Uh, the masses are on the yes side of things at 57.9% of the vote. No sitting at 42.1%. This is on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. Do you ever remember a time when there's been this, like, attack on a certain position? It doesn't matter, I guess, what sport, but now we're talking about the NFL and the running back position. Uh, it's, you know, guys are, are seeking a certain level of, of, of money, guaranteed money, and it's not coming. And it almost seems like there's this collective effort. We'll franchise tag you. Uh, we're not going to pay you. These contracts haven't worked out. But I'm also wondering how much this is being negatively impacted for the players based upon analytics and metrics telling them the run game isn't as important. We can get away with it doing something else. We can get away with it by not having as talented of a running back until December comes around, until the playoffs come around, and that player is needed. Two parts here. One, um, you know, I don't think that uh, you know, I could remember anything like this as far as a NFL position. Um, you know, it's, been, it's, it's reached this level. Uh, the other thing, you know, I got, I got three things. That's number one. Number two, uh, I don't think it's just an analytics thing uh, that you look at. Uh, you know, the, the running back market is devalued now. I just think if you watch football, uh, you understand. Look at Zeke Elliott. Uh, I mean, you, you you have to count also when you talk about running backs all the hits that he's taken in his high school and college career, and he carried a lot at Ohio State after he was injured the first part of his career there. Uh, you know, needless to say, and especially when they won the national championship that one year. The other thing as far as uh, I can't think of a position in football that has been devalued like this. There was a stretch, though, in uh, Major League Baseball a few years back where starting pitchers weren't going for as much money uh, after there was a you know, rash of injuries, not just Tommy John uh, surgery, but you know, shoulder injuries and just injuries in general to several elite starting pitchers. And there was a couple years where that market was uh, certainly declined. Interesting. Uh, you know, it's just... It's fascinating because obviously, you know, this this is all unfolding here. Training camps, players aren't showing up. You also had really like a collective of some top running backs uh, taking to Twitter to talk about it as well. You know, Derek Henry expressing his uh, disappointment. Austin Eckler continuing to express his disappointment. Jonathan Taylor as well. Uh, Christian Nick McCaffrey. Chubb never said, Nick, Nick Chubb never says anything. And he went off yesterday. Was that yesterday? It was over the weekend. I saw the clip again this morning so even he speaking out yeah absolutely uh so it's kind of interesting and maybe that's a storyline to to kind of watch here as we go into training camp and how it all unfolds throughout the season but we wrap up this edition of extra point on the other side of the break here on kdus am 1060 
We'll do what's best for the team, and we'll do what's best for you. The Rich Eisen Show, coming to you weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. segment of this Monday, July 24th edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS 1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It is thank you time, Bob. All right, we got to go fast here. Uh, As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever and whatever else soups through the cracks. Also, our guest today, NFL training camp uh, preview, and we went through some storylines with Eric Edholm from NFL Media. Tomorrow at uh, 9.15 in the Sports Zone, we'll go around Major League Baseball with Zach Kreiser from Yahoo Sports. One week before the trade deadline, as of yet tomorrow, is one week. Uh, Sound of the day courtesy of Major League Baseball, Fox, uh, ESPN, FS1, also uh, 98 Rock, that is the uh, Orioles flagship station. And uh, Mid-Atlantic Sports Network, that is the Orioles Television Network. As always, special thanks to Kayla, uh, Corey, and, uh, and Aaron. And uh, Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. That's right. Up next from noon to 1 o'clock, it is Sports Map Radio Network, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, the Sports Zoo with Dave Rooster-Beerstein from 5 to 6, Monday Night Golf with Ray Adams from 6 to 7, and James Out West from 7 to 8 tonight. U.S. Women's Soccer World Cup action got underway Friday night. They topped Vietnam 3-0, a tougher challenge ahead when they faced the Netherlands on Wednesday at 6 p.m. As for the Diamondbacks, they're hosting the St. Louis Cardinals tonight. It's a 6.40 p.m. start. Head on over to dbacks.com slash watch to find the channel that fits you. Uh, in addition to that, over in the NL Central, you have the Brewers 55-45, and 45, the Reds 55-46 and 46 ahead half game back guess what they're starting a series today so i'm sure we'll be uh diving into that as the week unfolds as well everyone have yourselves a fantastic rest of your monday the sports zone with bob kemp with you tomorrow starting at 9 a.m